Welcome to the Westland Free Methodist Church podcast, where we're uniting with Jesus to restore lives to joy-filled wholeness. If this is your first time to join us or your 10th time, we're glad to have you. If you believe in Jesus or you don't, we're excited you're joining us. If you're living into joy-filled wholeness or you're not, this is the place for you. Hello, everyone. Glad to have you with us today. If you haven't joined our podcast before, uh, one week I kind of sit here and chat and we go through some things, and the next week we have a guest, and this week it is just me. Uh, so next week we'll have a guest and look forward to them joining us. But today I want to talk specifically about communal worship um, and the purpose of the church, uh, the organism, and the organization. So really, that's going to be kind of our weekly word, and it will play out in the Tools for Transformation. I am going to mention a tool, um, and then a little bit of my own story in there, which is regarding multiplication. Uh, so let's just start with the weekly word portion for now. Uh, the way we go about the, that I'm going to go about this is through the book of Acts. If you study the book of Acts as a whole, and really the New Testament uh, post-Jesus resurrection, with the letters of Paul and Corinthians and Romans, etc., Peter, James, the idea seems to be present that communal worship, it was not done in some bigger building. It was usually done in people's homes. And the people get together and they spend time in prayer. They spend time in worship, praising the Lord, and in the teachings of the apostles or of Jesus and then the apostles, the teachings of Jesus through the apostles, if you will. So we see different evidences of these kinds of things throughout the book of Acts. When the people get together in Acts after Jesus' um, resurrection and the Holy Spirit's come, they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, uh, to the breaking of bread and prayer, so this idea of communion of sorts, uh, teaching, fellowship. And there were many wonders and signs done by the apostles. All the believers together had everything in common. They're selling possessions and goods. They're giving them to one another to then disseminate. So there's that offering piece is what it looks like now in communal worship is that we're giving so that we can see how the Lord wants us to use those in our own body and elsewhere. So we have the praise portion and thanksgiving. We have prayers, uh, healing, um, fellowship, and offering all present just in this one section. This is Acts 2, verses 42 and following. Every day they continued to meet together. They broke bread in their homes. They ate with sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor. The Lord began to add to their number daily. And then you move into chapter 4, and you see that they come together. They pray, and they praise. And by the verse 31 and following, it actually says, then they're filled with the Holy Spirit again, and then they go out and speak the word of God boldly. The believers are of one heart and one mind, etc., etc., and they testify the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. This idea in Acts is present in all of the letters of Paul when he's writing to the church in Corinth. He's saying he, he writes to the people who are the saints, the actual followers of Jesus. When you worship, Okay, even when he talks about spiritual gifts in chapters 12 and 13 and such of 1 Corinthians, part of what he gets at is, okay, yes, yeah, some of those gifts can be for the non-Christians, for the outsiders who are a passer-buyer, and they observe what's happening. 
when he's talking about prophecy and tongues, for example. Uh, I'm actually going to go to that for a moment because it just struck up in me. I think it's important. Uh, it's in, like I said, a lot of this section is chapter 12, 13, 14. Uh, here we go. In chapter 14, follow the way of love. That's the primary, just as a side note, when it comes to spiritual gifts. Let the Holy Spirit empower you with his love first and foremost. Anything else is secondary. Uh, love is who God is. Let the Spirit be fully his love in you. So we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 22. And notice what it says. Tongues then are a sign not for believers, but unbelievers. Prophecy is for believers, not for unbelievers. And you can unpack that as you study the tongues thing, but communal worship primarily where prophecy takes place. The idea of prophecy being where someone speaks to the people of God. This is Old Testament and New Testament. The idea is a prophet speaks to the people of God to draw them back to God, right? So whether that's through the teachings of the apostles or some prophetic word or word of knowledge that they're speaking to the people of God, that is what worship is. That is the church, the people of God. It is not for non-Christians. Doesn't mean maybe tongues don't happen. That is talked about with an interpreter. But really, that stuff is for non-Christians. And why? Because a non-Christian might hear this language and all of a sudden it's in their language. They're like, how are you speaking my language? That doesn't make sense. And you're able to share the gospel with them. So at its root, this worship, church and in relation to communal worship, has a big framework we need to talk about for a moment. Sunday mornings or whenever you worship, Sunday nights at your house church and a group of people surrender to Jesus. An aspect of giving and surrender with offering, praise, teaching, prayer, prayer for healing, potentially prophetic words or prophecy, which is not end times. Prophecy is all the way, even the Old Testament is calling the people of God back to God. And in turn, sometimes you say, if you don't, these kind of things might happen. But it's only going to happen if you don't come back to your first love. Revelation. Sound familiar? It's also mentioned as a prophecy in Revelation. It's a side note. So I encourage you today to remember first and foremost that worship is for Christians. So our teaching, prophetic words, the scriptures read, the songs sung, are not meant to be primarily something that engages non-Christians or people on the fringes. They're for you and I to be edified, grown, filled with the Spirit, equipped to then go out. That's what the book of Acts talks about. They came together in these homes to pray, praise, sit in the presence of the teachings, etc., to, to give to the body of Christ, and then to go out. It's not a place where non-Christians were typically invited. If they came, maybe as someone would have a tongue. I'm not against tongues in worship or life, but as a general rule, outside of them being for yourself, and Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 2, like it's, it's not bad. I wish that you would all had tongues. He actually says that at one point. Um, 
I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you, but in the church I'd rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. So it's not that tongues is bad, but that's more for non-Christians or your own personal walk with Jesus in your home, not the body of Christ, not a communal worship setting outside of an interpreter. And you may be saying, how does this all tie together? Well, we have to remember, if worship is for the follower of Jesus, then, and the church primarily is about followers of Jesus being equipped to go out, then everything we do in the body of Christ is not about getting people to come to us. Sunday mornings, VBS, uh, fun Big party events that we have, you know, Super Bowl party, whatever. Those are not bad things. But the primary focus in the body of Christ should be to equip us to be out there. If our main focus most of the time, or even a large chunk of the time, is doing things to get people to come to us, we're not following a general New Testament idea of what worship, uh, communal worship, and the church is. The church wasn't a place that people came to. It was a people that went to the world. In a real way, some of the most sad realities of having church buildings now is it makes the people of God often so comfortable that we invite people to the building or to a space instead of when they didn't when we didn't have buildings, we were in homes, we were out among the people more. And you couldn't just invite them to come to this place. So that's one downfall of having a space, actually. So some of the um, roots that have seeped in over the years is now many churches make worship what well, has to be attractional to the people outside of the body of Christ. It has to be engaging to those on the fringes. No. Worship is for the Spirit-filled people of Jesus. Now, you also don't want to make it completely alienating if a non-Christian comes in. Like, it's still a place of love and the power of the Spirit. But you're not catering to. Same thing with everything else that goes on in the body of Christ. That's here at Westland or any other church at its biblical roots. Some churches do this well, some don't. That we're not doing a, uh, for example, a VBS that's for us or for people to come to us primarily. We're doing it for the world. As a matter of fact, maybe evaluating if we do this, what's the most effective way to get people to hear and experience, children to hear and experience the love of Jesus? Maybe it's not doing it in our building that's a barrier. Who knows? So everything we do is part of where fresh expressions of church and dinner churches come from is we don't want people coming into our building first as non-Christians. We want our followers of Jesus, myself included, going out, engaging with them where they're at, sharing the good news, helping them encounter the love and power of Jesus, and then bring them into the body. The only time you add a new piece to your body is if it gets grafted in, which means it's already nowadays from a medical perspective, 
they've kind of tested and they know this works. I've had four knee surgeries. I've had dead cadaver parts put in my leg that they knew in advance. Oh, this is going to work here and do that. You can't graft a non-Christian into the body unless they're willing and say, yes, I'm surrendered to Jesus. Cool. Now you're part of the body. Let's figure out where you fit. So if they're trying to be a part, but they aren't surrendered, and we're trying to cater to that, that's a dangerous thing. That does play play a role in uh, being mobilized for the mission. It's not a bad thing to invite people to worship or to church events. But everything we're doing should be more about, hey, how are we equipping our people here to go out there and engage the world, not to do things here? So that's kind of the weekly word, jumping a little bit in from Acts to Corinthians and referencing some other passages to give us just a really rudimentary base level understanding of worship, communal worship in the church in the New Testament, and how far we've come overall, and maybe roots of how we can get back, is to focus more out there instead of things in here, if you will. Now as a tool, I said I would share with you, a tool for transformation. I encourage you, one of the greatest tools to help me in my walk with Jesus, and I think it would help you, is to actually ask the question constantly. Almost put it at the forefront of your mind. Jesus, help me see what is my role in the body. But you think about this, that sounds oversimplified. What is my role in the body? Our bodies exist, not for themselves. Yes, my hands exist to help feed me at times. My feet exist to help me walk, but I'm walking to a place. Majority of the times I'm using my hands for others or for something else. The body of Christ exists for the world. Jesus fills us, empowers us, gives these these gifts and abilities and strengthens us for the world. And if we're doing it for ourselves, it's a problem. And I'm talking about our church, not any individuals. If we're, our main focus is us, that's a problem. And I need to call us out. You need to call me out and anyone else if it's more us-centered. I need to be world-centered as my body is centered on kids, family, friends, and others helping others. Our body needs to be externally centered the majority of the time. The occasional times you have to feed yourself, check on yourself. You can do that. But that's my encouragement today as a tool. Ask yourself, ask Jesus, how am I functioning for the body of Christ where I'm at? Which means functioning in the local congregation, but also how we're engaging the neighborhood. So that tool is a simple prayer. But if you pray that daily, Often throughout the day, just have that at the forefront of your mind. Jesus, what does it look like for me to be the body? Until you get direction and clarity, then come to me, come to one of us. We will say, cool, we're going to make sure you function in the way the Lord is stirring you up. We're going to, if we need to step back or help you step into something, we'll do that. But it all starts with a simple prayer. That's all we're going to get to today is that kind of weekly word and that tool and talking about 
what it looks like to be mobilized. Um, I pray that you receive this and that they're in, in a holy way. I am not all-knowing on this or other things by any means. This is not my opinion. This is from mentors and others we've studied and just we just want to see the kingdom of God. It doesn't have to be our congregation. Matter of fact, this goes against the idea of having our congregation grow, like our congregation engaging people. And if little house churches or fresh expressions or dinner churches or whatever you want to call them begin to sprout up and people are growing in the Lord and more accepting Jesus, and we don't see any direct connection with those individuals, that looks more like the New Testament. Any, any number of those ideas. And so let's surrender to Jesus together. Say, we, we want to be about your kingdom, not man's kingdom, not my kingdom. So I pray the Lord sift anything in your heart and my heart that doesn't need to be kept from today. And Jesus, we invite you to speak your truth to us constantly, to me, that we would be open to be who you want us to be for the world and receive your love through it all. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you next time. Here at Westland Free Methodist Church, we are led by the Spirit, rooted in the Word, mobilized for the mission, committed to our neighbors, and bonded through holy friendship. If you have questions about Jesus or our community of faith, feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to get in touch with you. For everyone else here, we reiterate the same thing that Jesus told his disciples. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, this world needs you. You are sent.